0: Amen, that inspire you. You are set free. I got two gentlemen, uh, Mason and Trey, come on up here. I got them reading my scripture today just to get them used to uh, stepping out in faith. Plus they do a better job than me. Hey, get one of those mics there. As we open God's word today, this one, all right. As we open God's Word today, I want you guys to know that uh, I've been at camp all week. I'm uh, ready to shout at anything. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to charge the hill. I'm ready to, man, do something, okay? And that's the spirit this sermon's given in. God's working on my heart to take me to the next level. And uh, hopefully I can take some of these young people with me. And that's what I want to do. I want to charge. I want to go get it. I think God's uh, getting us ready for uh, something big, okay? And uh, I really want to do that. But a lot of times, I don't want to leave anybody behind. This sermon's given in that text today. We're looking at John 21. Before we do go John 21, I want to give you a little background of Peter and the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to have Mason read his scripture verses first. And then I'm going to have Trey read his. Mason, if you'll use this mic right here. Right here, Mason. You oh, you got one? Okay. He's reading out of Matthew. It's uh, verse, chapter 26, 31 through uh, 35. Then
1: Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if, all, even if we all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other all the disciples said the same.
0: He's got one more. Matthew 26, through 75.
1: Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another girl saw him, and said to the people out there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly.
0: Now, Phrase got uh, chapter 21 of John. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his
2: disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus or something like that, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they, got, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard them, him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him into the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals, that there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many of them, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. Do you know that I love you? Jesus said, Freed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then he answered, Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, freed my sheep very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said <clears throat> said this to indicate the kind of death by which Simon or which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was one of the <clears throat> this was one of the ones who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that he would have written.
0: Amen. Great story. Thank you guys for being available and reading God's word there today. As we open this story up, I'm concentrating on Peter this morning. If you get Peter and Matthew, he said, Lord, Lord, man, I'm never going to deny you. Though others may fall away. I'm your man. I'm the dude that ain't going to deny you. Okay. And Jesus seeing the pride. Sometimes we get pride in the spirit, right? Sometimes we need to be humbled. He's seeing the pride. He says, Peter, tonight before the cock crows, the rooster crows the next morning, you're going to deny me three times. He appreciated his heart. But man, there's something else standing in Peter's way. Okay. So I want you to see that. And then once that cock crowed, I can't get this in my head enough. A little child was standing at the fire, a slave girl. Hey, you were the one with, with, with Jesus, weren't you? And how Peter stood there and denied Christ. As Jesus was looking at Peter, he's denying him. And then somebody else came up a little while later. Oh, you talk just like him. You got the same accent. Don't you know, Jesus, you were with him. Yeah. He denied him fiercely. A third time. He denied him. And then the cock crows. The rooster crows. Cock-a-doodle-doo. How Peter wept. How Peter realized he was a sinner and standing in need of a savior. Okay? He couldn't do it on his own. He needs Jesus, okay? He needs the resurrected Jesus. Okay? He needs that kind of power. Today, I want you to see in chapter 21 how Jesus sought Peter out. Sought the disciples out. When things aren't going good, guys, you might laugh at me. I never had a bad day at the lake. Amen? Whitey's back there. You can tell me. Yeah, he he can get it, Gene. All right. And, uh, man, I always want to go out and fish. I always want to go out and relieve my problems. Last time I went out to little grassy lake, the mo- boat motor wouldn't start. I've been there before, done that, you know, and I'm going, oh, it's not going to be a bad day at the lake so I got the battery out and got the electric motor as we launched the boat you know and I'm I'm the only one out there told my wife where I was going and I get the electric motor to finally come on it's been sitting out in the yard so long you know it takes a little while it comes on about half speed and I'm going oh at least we're moving you know what I mean I'm not paddling and then I hooked the first fish oh that's a great feeling to hook the first fish you know and I was getting the live well full of fish I told Tracy, hey, I'm packing the cooler. When I catch some fish today, I'm going to clean them, and we're going to eat them this week. So we'll have a good time. So we did good. I came around this one bin, though. You never know what you're going to see out there at the lake. Came around this one bin, and it looked like a buoy sitting up in the weeds, a white thing. And I'm just going, wow, that must have been one of those no-wake things that the storm brought in. Guess what? It turned its head. And I'm going, whoa, that's an eagle i can't believe that's a big eagle i tried to get my phone out take a picture so somebody would believe me i was about 20 foot away from the thing he gets up with his big wingspan and just spreads them out and man you could hear the wind underneath his wings it was just so magnificent to be out the lake you know just seeing god's beauty and seeing god's stuff out there but uh it was an awesome time same thing with these disciples same thing with peter he says Hey, let's go out to the lake. Let's go out fishing. We did that before. Let's go out. We had a good time. Let's go out. So he gets like seven disciples, and they go out fishing. I've been out there before. I hate to admit it. I've been out there fishing, and sometimes you don't catch a thing. Okay? I think God had a plan in it. And then some voice comes out from the shore while they're way out. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Did you catch any fish? I know you haven't. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. Switch lures, man. Throw in a different direction. Whatever. I'll try anything. And they get a load of fish. John, being a guy that's moved by his heart, goes, hey, this has happened before. That's Jesus. And when he said that, you can only imagine Peter's heart. It just goes, whoa, i got to go see him. It says he took off his garment, man, and dove in and swam to see Jesus. Heck with the fish. I'm going to go see Jesus. The rest of the guys hauled the fish in. When he got to shore, guess what? Jesus had the fire going. He had the fish cooking. He had the bread. He took care of their physical needs, guys, because we all have physical needs. But he took care of one more need. Our need to feel like we're not a failure. Amen. There's been days when I want to be God's masterpiece and I've fallen flat on my face. There's been days when I've wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And I thought, man, he's going to reap a harvest greatly. And it doesn't happen. Peter was there. Peter was knowing what it feels like. And that's where I want to pick it up in verse uh, 15 here. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, "Then tend my sheep. I don't think it's a mistake when he put Do you love me more than these? Because you remember back in Matthew, he says, Even though everybody else is going to fall, I'm your man. But he went back to doing what he knew best. His career. His career was a fisherman. He went back to his old ways. He went back to doing things where he had success. Okay? And he had to say, do you love me more than these? Some commentaries say that might be, do you love me more than these other disciples? I don't think that's that way, but it could be. The big thing was, do you love me more than these? Peter. Seeking forgiveness, guys. Jesus does it in love. 1 John 4.19 says... We love because he first loved us. Peter didn't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus went to restore Peter. Went to him. Asked him the valuable question, do you love me? And that's the question that comes back to me sometimes. Brent, do you love me? And then Jesus answered, feed my sheep. Wow. Wow. It's not just, yes, go on with your business. It's, yes, do something. I'm the great shepherd. There's tons of lost people out here that haven't got a clue. I want you to feed my sheep. You see, Jesus was a great shepherd. And he had a close flock of 12. But this one has went away. And he's looking to restore that one. Amen. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, feed my sheep. It wasn't over right then, guys. How many times did you deny him? Three times. Peter's not always the brightest one in the book, either am I, okay? Sometimes it takes me a little while. Jesus asked him again, Simon Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, again. And he said feed my sheep. Okay? A second time he gives him that charge. And then to have him come back a third time woke Peter up. Okay? How hurt he was that Jesus had to ask a third time, do you love me? Guys, sometimes I'm Peter. Sometimes I need that third time to get it right, okay, to wake me up out of my whatever I'm doing. Do you love me? He said a third time, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. You know my heart. And he said, then go tend my sheep. Here's the cool thing, guys. Did Peter blow God's plan Did Peter blow God's plan out of the water? No. Peter was right on track because God sent Jesus to enable each one of us mess ups, screw ups, to do his will, to do his plan. Church people, we're not perfect. Nowhere in this Bible does it say, hey, Brent, go take another seminary course before you get up and lead these young people. Before you get in front of this church and preach the gospel. I've already done it. Hebrews said he's already sitting on the right hand of God, did he not? If he's sitting, guys, he's arresting because his work is finished. That's just what he said on the cross. He said, my work is finished. But what we need to do is proclaim him daily proclaim his daily so other people could see him working in us okay that's what needs to happen a lot of times we say hey i love jesus but i'm not qualified to teach in the nursery hey find someplace. hey i love jesus but i ain't qualified to teach young people Hey, I love Jesus, but I'm not qualified to teach senior adults. Hey, I love Jesus, but I'm not qualified to go on the van. Hey, a lot of those things are feeding the sheep, guys. Leading the sheep. This vacation Bible school we had. Man, these boxes down front. What broke my heart this week is seeing these kids getting to pack these boxes and there's one picture of a little girl that has a box in front of her with her head bowed her hands clipped and she's praying for that box guys that it would reach a lost person overseas can god use kids you better believe it god used them in a mighty way they raised over 800 dollars for offering just to send these boxes over to a foreign country that was coming out of their piggy banks God can use them. We need to get past seeing, hey, God can only use perfect people. God can only use people that don't mess up. I'll have news for you. This church is full of screw-ups. Amen? That comes from him, not me, okay? But we need to get past it. And we need to learn that our love for him... Is what makes the difference. Our love to do the right thing is what makes us a servant of God. All right? Love conquers all. Your gun might do a little bit. Hate might do a little bit. But our love is going to win this world. His love is what changed me. His love is what changed Peter. Get this. Old Testament illustration. I love it a lot. We teach it to the kids all the time. Jonah. Jonah is a big man. Jonah walks close with the Lord. He says, God, if you'll just tell me what you want me to do, I'm all about doing it. So God takes him at his word and says, hey, Jonah, there's one thing I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. Man, I don't like those people. I don't want to go. But you see, his love wasn't right where it needed to be, was it? Here the man tells him to go. Here he's saying he can't. Who won? Jonah thought he won because I'm getting on the ship and I'm going somewhere else. God says, hey, I own everything, buddy. You can't outrun me. And they end up throwing him in the sea. A great big fish eats him. Three days, guys, of misery. Three days in the belly of a fish before he said, hey, I surrender, God. I'll go to Nineveh. And he goes, I like to see this preaching style. You know, they teach in seminary all these preaching styles. I like to see this preaching style when he said, Hey, repent. Repent. These people are actually listening to this preacher preach this, and they're actually repenting. He went around the whole big city, and God had them all repent, brought revival. Was Jonah happy? No. Another illustration comes right out. You got this guy named Saul. Hey, my lineage, I'm all about it. I got the diplomas on the wall to prove I'm a child of God. And I'm getting rid of all these Christians said this messiah was here i'm killing them all off and i got my orders but god on the road to damascus god on the road to damascus had a great light shined so brightly blinded the man he heard god's voice guys he heard god's voice he said, why do you persecute me? And he changed his way. He wrote most of our New Testament because he had a God encounter. Was he a perfect man? No. Hey. God might be knocking on your heart's door today. Saying, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Will you be bold enough to not tell a lie? Because God can see it in you anyway. He knows what your first desire is. But can you honestly sit there and say, yes, Lord, I love you and I'll do anything for you. I'll do it even though I'm not qualified to do it because you love me so much. Guys, that's what qualifies us. It's because he loves us. I want you to see Peter. Man, this is a great guy. I like Moses in the Old Testament. Peter in the New Testament is my dude, though. He's the first one to step out of the boat you know, and walk on water because Jesus is doing it. But when he's doing it, guys, he did it for about two steps, and he did what? Sunk. Why did he sink? He took his eyes off the focus. The focus was on Jesus. When he took his eyes off the focus, he sunk. Same thing with me. As I run this race in this world, if I take my eyes off Jesus and his love he has for me, I will perish I will fail. Okay? You see it in Peter here. As he says, hey, there goes John. You told me to go feed the sheep. What about him? Okay? His exact words is the witty principle. I want you all to say witty. Witty. What is that to you? W-I-T-T-Y. Write that in your Bible. What is that to you? I work with young people and I work with adults and I work with a lot of people. Every time you get somebody going in one direction, get them on track, they're worried about somebody else pulling their fair share. Amen? Amen. That's the way it is. It's just human nature. Okay? Peter had the same problem. He goes, hey! Look at John, man. He ain't doing what you told him to do. What about him? Hey, you worry about you instead of worrying about everybody else. All right? He says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? Concentrate on yourself and your love that you have for one another. Okay? That's what it's all about. And that witty principle comes around more times than not because... We always are worried about somebody else beating us, somebody else getting the easier load than us. Hey, if God's called us to suffer, God's called you to suffer. Suffer in it and be joyful. All right? If God causes you to go through a storm, go through the storm and be joyful and say, hey, God's going to win in the end. Because He does, folks. He did it on the cross. Here I want you to see Peter. Chapter 2 of Acts. Peter gets in front of the whole church in Jerusalem. After one thing's happened. God equipped him for the job. God equipped him for the job. He sent the Holy Spirit to work in him. And his words resonated out in Jerusalem. And guys, man. 3,000 come to know Jesus Christ that day because of one guy saying, I love you, Lord, and I'll do whatever it takes. Can God do that in my life? Do I love him and can I let him do it through me and in me? Yes, he can. I don't need to take another course on how to read this book. I just need to read this book. I don't need to take another prayer class on how to pray. I just need to pray. I don't need to hear Dwayne another sermon from him saying how you need to live this Christian life. I just need to live it. Do you see? He's equipped us. We need to quit saying, hey, God, I can't do anything. He's equipped in us. I love, I mentioned that earlier, these kids. Man, these kids are ready to roll. We need to keep encouraging our kids to pray. Keep encouraging these kids to stay in their word. Keep encouraging these kids to do the things that they know they can do in the Lord. It says with a childlike faith. Can this country be turned around? Yes, it can. Is it too late? No, it's not. But it's going to be done in his timing and in his love, not the way I want it done, okay? Amen? That's it. In 2 Chronicles, it says, If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. He will heal their land man that's it guys we need to stop looking for our next president that guy ain't going to be able to cure anything okay it might even get worse what am i doing god called me to live in the usa god called me to a love that nobody else was called to Do I love him enough to step out in faith and show this world what love's all about? Or will I get mad? Or will I do all this other stuff to sidetrack us and get off and not even be considered what God's glory is going to be? God's glory is for me to live for him. Me to live for him. It's not easy, but I can do it. If I focus on him and focus on me, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Amen? One more thing I had up here. God gave it to me, and I ain't taking credit for it. This thing hit me so hard, and I don't hope I didn't run over it in my haste. It says, Jesus charged him to do what only God could do and by equipping him to do only what God could equip him to do. And that's through the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit's the power. It gives us to love one another. In camp this week, we looked at 1 Peter. If you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to attempt to read this. This is written by Peter, the one who's going to tend the flock, the one who's going to feed the lambs. Listen to him. He says, therefore, put aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies longing for pure milk of the word. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. That is Peter feeding the church, saying, Hey, you long for food? Get it. It's right here God's Word, the best book. Every morning I taught the kids to say the pledge, but I said, This Bible is your instruction book. Your instruction book on how to live a life for Christ. Not for yourself, but for Christ. To glorify Him. That's what we're all put here for. Okay? And there's a lot of people that don't understand why they're here. They think it's all about them. It's a broken world. And we are called to give him the glory to lead these people to a life of purpose. And we need to stop saying, hey, I wish God would send me somebody else this way to do this. He sent you. He sent me. The reason this place is the way it is is because probably we haven't been letting God use us in our loving way. I don't know about y'all, time to confess a little bit. <laughs> when I come home from working at the church sometimes, or from working with anything, I come home and I like to sit in my chair. I like to turn on the tube. And I like to veg. It's me time! Y'all laughing at me, but I know you do the same thing. I don't really want to go out and mow the yard. I really don't want to go out and do this stuff. I want to just sit in front of my TV and veg. Guys, I don't think that's right. And it hurts me just as much as it hurts you because I'm getting real. Real. Me as a pastor, I need to spend some time in God's word. And I can honestly say I don't spend as much time in God's word as I do as I watch TV. I'm just confessing with you. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying for you to see this sermon today. God gave me the answer. God gave me the tools. God gave me the ability through the Holy Spirit. But man, it feels so good to sit down in my chair. Do I really care about my neighbor? Do I really love him that much that I'm going to approach somebody at Walmart and say, hey, where are you going when you die? Or would you like to come to a vibrant church that preaches God's word and gets active and gets going? No, I got my own ball game to go to. I got my own lake to go to. Hey, this word will lead to exciting life. We need to quit thinking that God hasn't prepared us for it. He has. The instruction book. We just need to read it and apply it. We're not going to mess this thing up, folks. Folks if we'll just surrender and say, God, do it through me. Amen? I can't save anybody, guys. It's only the good Holy Spirit that draws them to the Lord, okay? But I can present the plan of salvation. I can present my life the way it needs to be lived so other people can see that it works. And guys, one day, America might fall it might not be legal for me to carry this well I deny him and say I'm willing to give up my Bible I'm willing to give up my life with Jesus Christ to follow some human regime or whatever okay but you get my point I need to start treating this thing like the real thing, that it is. And guys, this walks all over my feet just as much as it walks on yours, but I'm not here to tickle your ears. This is not tickle your time. It's time to pump up the troops. Let's move them out. Let's go. Amen? And I realize it's hard, but thank God he gave us the Holy Spirit to work in us If you don't have that help, get it today by asking Jesus Christ to come in and save you. Because there's going to be a day when I get to sit in a chair and praise God. And I ain't going to worry about anything else. He's in charge. And there's going to be no more tears, no more suffering, no more anything. But I want as many people that I can to come to know Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's how to live an adventuresome life. That's how to live one to the fullest. We used to have this little joke. The kids used to say, he, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's not it. That's not it. He that lives for Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what gives me satisfaction in life. I just heard this week, man, I was at camp and all the kids were talking about it. LeBron James, man, ain't going to play for Cleveland Cavaliers. He's going to put himself out in free agency. He's going to be one of the biggest paid players out there. Wow. He's going to have all that money. Hey, yeah, I'll be, my God owns everything. I just need to believe he does and act on it. You might be God's LeBron James for this world. You just ain't tried to live it in him and in his strength. We need to do it. And it starts with one question. Put your name there. Do you love me? And you might need to ask it two or three times because you might have denied Christ more than just three times. But you need to start and you need to see where this is going to take you. Because I believe Jesus has sent all of you to one church that's a bunch of mess ups to do a huge deal, to do a huge deal for Him, to accomplish a great task so this world would know our God is the true God. Amen? And He's come for a relationship with each one of us. So in closing, what are you going to do? Are you going to go on like you've always done? Maybe you're one that's getting it done. I hope. I hope you can walk a little closer. Let's stand. As you're standing there today. Has God got the freedom to come to every part of your life? Not just Sundays. Every part of your life. Even to your easy chair. Even to your wreck time. I know it's hard to give up. But dying on the cross wasn't an easy thing. That's what I keep thinking about every time I tell him no. He never told me no when I needed him to die for my sins. He knew I couldn't do it. So he took care of everybody's sin. Maybe you're standing out there today and you say, Hey Brent, I stand in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ today. He's here to meet you at this altar. He's here to hear you cry out. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Maybe you're out there and you think you got life all together. You've been living this Christian life, but you've just been waiting for God to do something. Maybe today you need to surrender and say, hey, God, I'm willing to go the extra mile. I'm willing to surrender. Use me get involved be a part maybe you're out there today thinking man this world is crazy everywhere i look there's trouble everything in my life's upside down one thing's not upside down jesus loves you he's always there for you Help us to show it. Help us to give testimony of what he's doing in each one of our lives. I'm not perfect, folks, but I'm trying to live this Christian life the best I can in his spirit. And I'm being honest with you today. I think it's time. I think this is what this world's waiting for. I still think God can bring revival. Father, as we close this service. Help us to examine our hearts. Help us to hear your words that were read today by Mason and Trey. Man, they're not my words. They're yours. That's the reason it's hard for me to put it off because they're your words. Tell me, Father, I know that you created me for a purpose. And that purpose is not to be all about me, but it's about to be about you. You laid your life down, so help me live for you. Do what you want in this time of worship and time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.